The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Wire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. I'm Clay Link, here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, it's a good day. The baseball magazines arrived to the office. Always fun to see that hard work manifest into an actual product. Uh, congrats to you, and uh, I'm proud of the cumulative effort. I really think the magazine is as good as, as ever this year. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it turned out really well. There's a lot of really good articles in there. Uh, the outlooks are, are really solid. I think, you know, I learned a lot during the editing process. I'm sure you did as well. Uh, really good place to start your draft prep. I know most people that are listening to this podcast have already started their draft prep, but, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a really good resource. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that won't be dated by the time you do drafts in March and that type of thing. If you want a copy, uh, rotowire.com slash magazine. Um, not exactly sure when those are getting shipped out, but that's that's the best place to order one. Yeah, I think that's the best part of the magazine, as you alluded to, just having something that you can reference throughout the year. It's not just a draft prep tool. It's 
kind of like an encyclopedia of players. And that is the bulk of it, the A to Z player section, but a lot of really good stuff when it comes to theory and strategy from Rob Silver, Todd Zola, uh, Jason Collette's fighting value in the scrap heap, Jeff Stotts's injury analysis. It's all really good. And I'm, I'm happy that we got to work on it together and that it turned out as well as it did. Uh, Ronald Acuna, by the way, I think that's like our best cover maybe in company history. Yeah, that's an 80 cover. Just mean uh, mugging? I think it's I think it's easily the best cover in company history. Um <laughs> maybe the best cover of a magazine I've ever seen. Yeah. Know? I mean it's it's a it's a heck of a image. It's exactly what I think you and I had in mind. Chain uh, so flapping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chain on the move. <laughs> Like bling on the helmet too, like the sun reflecting. Well, uh, I'm really glad we we settled on that pick. Um, had some other options, but I think Acuna deserved a cover. When you leave Mike Trout in the fantasy world, I think you deserve a cover. Um, but let's get started on with our prospect talk, James. And uh, I guess this went up last week, but the NL Central prospects you need to know. You know, I love talking NL Central, and uh, they got a little bit of mixed news for my Reds yesterday with uh, Suarez getting hurt. Pool accident? Come on, man. Well, what could he have been doing in a pool? Hey, pools it? are tricky. Hey, he must have been throwing his kid up in the air and <laughs> something like that. But uh, we'll start with the Cubs. Nico Horner, pretty clear top 100-ish guy, but um, what do you think of his debut at the big league level last year? I thought he was really solid just given the circumstances he wasn't someone that they had planned on calling up but just injuries and the fact that they were scrambling to try to get into the playoffs sort of forced him into action and yeah he held his own he wasn't supposed to be up there uh, I don't think he breaks camp on the big league roster unless he just has a, a crazy spring training it seems to make sense to me to send him to AAA at least for a month or two uh, you know they don't have a ton of guys that you know, people aren't excited about David Bodie in fantasy, but I think the Cubs at least want to give him a, a look uh, as a regular to start the season. So Horner's not a guy I'm really all that excited about for 2020. I think he'll return fantasy value, but I think he's kind of more of a, a middle infield option where you're hoping for a good batting average. The the steals and the home runs I think are going to be kind of underwhelming at least in the the short term. So the Cubs just signed some. Other middle infielder, right, to a minor league deal. I'm trying to look up who that was, but I just it does seem like unlike the Dodgers, who you know they started Gavin Lux's service clock, doesn't seem like there's any real question about him starting with the team. It does seem like they're maybe a little reluctant to have Horner start with the big league team. Yeah, uh, I mean they signed Steven Souza. Is that who you're talking about? It, well, I know they signed Souza, but it was somebody else. Um, I don't know. I know they. Uh, they traded Tony Kemp. That's right. Yeah, uh, who they I just have a log jam like. there, kind of. I mean, not not a, many options to stand out. Bodie, who you mentioned, Descalso, who's on the deal. Robel Garcia, who's a nice story, but uh, no clear front runner at that position. No. Um, Addison Russell. Yeah, he was there last year. I don't think he's playing in the big leagues this year. We'll see, but um. Behind Horner in this system, some other pretty good names. Brennan Davis, Braylon Marquez. Which of those two guys are you higher on? I've had them sort of right next to each other, flip-flopped a couple times this offseason. Uh, both are, you know, upside guys. Uh, Davis, I think his upside gets oversold a little bit. He's not the burner that he was as an amateur when he was a two-sport guy, but 
the hit tools really advanced. You know, it, it'd be nice for him to get a healthy season under his belt. He, he's missed time in both of his first two seasons. Uh, Marquez, you know, just really elite arm speed for a, a lefty. You know, the the amount of lefties that can touch triple digits, let alone um, hit triple digits uh, regularly throughout a start, is is a very small uh list in the the minors and it's it's a non-existent list in the majors and most of those guys end up in relief and that's definitely a possibility for marquez but his stuff isn't you know the breaking ball it's it's inconsistent right now but i think by the time he gets to the big leagues that'll be a an out pitch i mean when you throw that hard your secondaries are going to play up regardless because hitters are forced to start the bat early uh but i think worst case scenario he's a lights out reliever um but yeah, it's it's TBD whether he'll make it as a starter. So Scooter Jeanette, the guy I was thinking of, the Cubs didn't actually sign him yet. But six seventy, the score reported yesterday, Cubs expressing interest in Scooter Jeanette as they look to add options to the question mark that is second base. Love to see Scooter uh, back in the bigs. But yeah, I just wanted to clear that up. One sleeper in this organization who you like, and please correct me if I'm wrong with the pronunciation here, Ronnie Quintero. What do you see there that you like? Uh, well, this is this is a great organization to just kind of uh, flesh out what I look for in like a catching prospect because on pretty much every list you're going to see Miguel Amaya ranked ahead of Ronnie or Quintero, uh, but I prefer Quintero because I think he's got the upside to be a top five fantasy option at the position. I don't think I wouldn't bet on Amaya being a top ten fantasy option at the position year in year out and you know he's a better bet to to make it to the big leagues to have a you know fairly long big league career but i think amaya is a guy that's never going to hit for a helpful batting average he might be better in obp leagues whereas quintero uh you know he's just got really really special left-handed power uh gets to it with ease doesn't have to sell out for it and he's he's still only 17 so by the time he's you know two three four years down the road that could be a 70 grade tool for him uh still has some work to do behind the plate but he's young enough that i'm not going to really discount him too much for that the hit tool tbd but i i mean i just i love the bat from the left side i think he's going to turn a lot of heads in his pro debut this year nice well now we move on to the main event of the show the reds talk uh talk and we did talk a little bit on farm friday on the xm show about these this same group of players but um top 100 ish guys for the reds nick lodolo hunter green Tyler Stevenson, how far is he from that range? Because he's the guy I'm looking at in this farm system to make a big impact in 2020. Uh, let me pull that up really quick. Um, on, I James. have him at 143. You're supposed to know these off the top of your head. So he's, you know, he's not, not all that close off. to the top 100. Not, not too far off either. But uh, I just I don't like any of the catchers this year other than Sean Murphy. Any of the catching prospects. I know people are always desperate for help at that position, but I think it's kind of silly to expect any of these guys to a come up in time to be relevant in drafts right now and b have success right away when they're up uh so stevenson i like the power long term obviously like the ballpark i think he'll be solid uh in obp leagues but the defense isn't great so even if he did come up this year i still think he would be kind of serving as a a second catcher behind tucker barnhart i see well i just thought he looked pretty impressive in the fall league at least passed the eye test like he just looks the part and I know this was a good good season for him as a whole, kind of reestablishing himself. Uh, Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, two exciting arms. Are you higher on Lodolo at this point? 
yeah, he's a lot safer. I don't think there's a huge gap between the the upside for either guy. I know Hunter Green um, has the higher ceiling just because of his elite fastball, but when you factor in command, when you factor in secondary pitches, you factor in handedness. Or actually, they're both lefties, but um, uh, or no, Hunter Green's already. Uh, but when you factor in handedness, um, I think Lodolo gets the edge. Lodolo really could beat green to the majors by two or three years so you know that's a big mark in his favor i'm really interested to see what the driveline guys can do with lodolo because uh you know 93 94 is is solid for a lefty but i wouldn't be surprised if he's he's a rare college guy with a pretty projectable body where he's uh you know athletic long limbs I wouldn't be surprised if they can get him to to sit 95 96 by the end of the year and that would really increase his stock yeah, I remember it kind of being eh, underwhelmed when they made the pick, but a really good pro debut for Lodolo, and I'm excited about the, the potential there. Uh, stock down in this system, Jonathan India, Tony Santillan. It sounds like you're really kind of out on India. I'm out on him as someone that should be treated as an asset in Dynasty Leagues. I mean, I think he'll have a big league career, but he's got the same problem a lot of the Reds infielders have, and that's he can't really play a credible shortstop in the majors and when you factor that in he's not going to be passing Suarez or Moustakas on the depth chart anytime soon so uh, limited upside I mean I think he's more valuable in OBP leagues but you know if you're just hoping for a guy that hits 255 260 with 20 plus homers and the guy's blocked uh, I just you know it's not that interesting to me I hate this general phrase, but on quote-unquote Reds Twitter, I see people saying like, oh, how could you give up you know, six years of Senzel and India for a guy like Francisco Lindor? And I'm just baffled. Like, Jonathan India may be nothing. And Senzel may be David Dahl 2.0. It's just when you can have a chance to acquire a superstar, I'm still holding out hope. Nothing is, nothing is dumber, is a dumber echo chamber than team-specific prospect Twitter. Yes. Like every, every team's uh, prospect hounds overrate all their prospects. This is something I've learned. Uh, I learned this weekly. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure Padres fans are, oh, how could we give up this guy for bets? Like, come on. Yeah. You think that happens, by the way? <laughs> um. I mean, the Padres can make it happen. It just depends if they're willing to. Uh, it wouldn't take like put gore. the right guys on the table. It wouldn't take Gore, but it would. I think you know Luis Patino could realistically headline that type of package, and I think the Red Sox are right to hold firm. I mean, they shouldn't be. They have no reason to just unload bets for the sake of dodging the luxury tax. Maybe that's a mandate from. Uh, ownership but i think it should take a a big haul even just for one year even when you're paying um you know a pretty hefty price for that one year yeah i mean uh, don't count out the dodgers too they're of course rumored linked to bets i feel like we could see him and arenado both moved before opening days some some certainly some late uh season off-season intrigue do you care at all about this when you're talking about Mookie bets like if you're if you're picking fourth in a draft like are you downgrading bets at all you know I was talking about that with Zola and I do have him down a little bit further I have him behind like Turner and Lindor mm. um something about San Diego just scares me although it's not 
Todd was telling me, Todd Zola, that it's not much worse of a park for right-handed power than uh, Fenway already is. Yeah. I have him behind Lindor, Turner, and DeGrom. Okay. So eight overall. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, what happened with Machado last year, I know it's probably fresh in everyone's heads, but I just think uh, I might still take bets for. I I like the all-around skill set there. Yeah, I can't really go wrong. I I get it, just a little trepidation. They could be a really fun team, though, if they get bets. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom. So we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Uh, We have a Reds-related Twitter question from Maher. Uh, he wants to know, or he asks, when you clear the brush, the Reds have essentially traded Jeter Downs, Josiah Gray, and Taylor Trammell for Trevor Bauer. Who wins that deal in a dynasty league? Uh, you know, I think it's fairer than it was in real life. I mean, I think the Reds clearly lost that in real life when you're talking about just one year of control. Uh, but in a dynasty league, you get all these guys forever, so it's it's a lot closer. Uh, I, you know, and I just traded uh, for Trevor Bauer in a dynasty league, and with a package that I think Tyler Freeman headlined, and we had a couple other interesting prospects in there. So uh, I think you wouldn't have to quite give up this much to get Bauer in a in a real life dynasty league. Um, you know, we just have no idea what Bauer's going to be like in 2020 going forward. I mean, there, there was just such a stark contrast between his 2018 and 2019. Uh, it's kind of a blind bet on Bauer just figuring it out and bouncing back because there's not much you can look at in what he did down the stretch that, that points to improvement. But I kind of lean towards that blind bet on him having a good year this year. But I also just love Jeter down so much that it, it would be it'd be tough for me to give up all three of those guys. Even though I'm low on on uh, on Trammel, like it's it's not uh, a foregone conclusion that he's going to end up busting and he could end up having a bounce back year. So that's just three pretty high upside pieces that you'd be giving up for a pitcher that's coming off a bad year. Yeah, I remember Eno Sarah saying I think at first pitch that he was going to be in on Bauer, and it was just kind of that blind faith in Kyle Bodie, the you know, advanced technology, the more modern approach with that team. And I wrote Bauer's outlook and I said at the end, like you kind of have to take a leap of faith to take this guy. And, you know, at least when you make that leap of faith, you have something to hang your hat on in Kyle Bodie. Like there's some, at least some reason and Derek Johnson. Um, and, and the, the whole, like, you know, when you, when you show a skill, you, you own it. I mean, right. what he did in 2018, like all of his pitches rated, as as plus or better offerings that year so it's yeah. just I, there's I, at least a narrative to right. to look at yeah when you're making that leap more of familiar with the nl i mean right. there's 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 some stuff you can talk yourself into like, there. there's no way he was as bad as he showed i mean that run with the reds was just insanely bad so i think with that fresh in everybody's mind maybe there's a buying opportunity but i'm still i haven't ended up with bauer anywhere and i, I do think it's kind of just given his track record you got to kind of hold your nose and make that leap of faith if you want to take him um 
Now we'll move on to the Brewers, your Brewers. Uh, not much in this system anymore. Um, how do you feel about their long-term picture? Like when this window at the big league level closes, is it going to be really bad for them for a while? Uh, I don't think it's all that close to closing. So I think I think they're going to be, you know, 85 to 90 wins pretty consistently uh, over the next two, three, four years. Uh, they're they're a really smart organization. Like they they don't make mistakes, but they also uh, have not really taken a big swing either. So, you know, I think what they are sort of hoping to do is is kind of have a team that is constantly competing and constantly in the mix for division titles. They don't ever really want to bottom out. They want to continue to pack the the ballpark. But and I heard I heard the owner Mark Adonacio say the reason they didn't spend a ton of money was that they wanted to have flexibility to do something in season if they want to go trade for a guy on a big contract or something like that. I mean, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but uh, it sort of seems like they're kind of trying to stay, you know, above 500 and hoping to catch lightning in a bottle one of these years, which is, is better than being a fan of the tigers or something like that. But, oh, certainly. uh, you know, you'd, I'd like to see my team spend as much money as possible, and it doesn't really seem like they're doing that. Yeah, I don't see that window closing, but when it does, I feel like David Stearns is going to have like a Cashman-esque turnaround. Like He's going to be able to restock, I think, pretty soon whenever things do start to slide. And while they haven't really signed anybody big name this winter, still a pretty good team on paper, although they did just lose Luis Urias. That's a pretty tough blow. Wrist surgery. Uh, probably Arcia to start the season at short. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. Jed Jerka. Hey, Ronnie Garcia. <laughs> or Ronnie Rodriguez. Um, one guy, though, in the system that you are looking at, he's got some helium in Dynasty Leagues, Hedbert Perez. What's, what has his, him climbing? Yeah, I mean, the he was not their top guy uh, on July 2, but he's emerged uh, via – uh, instructs and in, in the tricky league he's emerged as their top guy from the, that j2 class uh, doesn't really have any obvious weaknesses for fantasy chance for plus power plus run plus hit so everything you look for when you're when you're taking a gamble on one of these guys that has never played in a in a pro game nice well real quick before we move on a quick read from our sponsor fan tracks sick of waiting for espn and yahoo to open up your league Go play at Fantrax. Your league is open 365 days a year for full off-season trading and pickups. Looking to make a run this year? Trade those future draft picks uh, up to six years in the future for the player that will take you over the top. Looking to add that stud prospect you just heard about uh, from me or James. Don't worry about having to hope he is in the player pool. With Fantrax, they have over 10,000 players in the pool. And if they don't have him, they will add him for you. No more placeholders. Do you use contracts and salaries? No problem. Fantrax has you covered with the ability to track it all, including extension years. Sick of collecting money from your owners? I certainly am. Fantrax has you covered with their treasure product. Uh, pay your league dues on the site and let Fantrax distribute, distribute for you all 100% free. Move your league today and reach out to at Fantrax and get hooked up with a little bonus. Uh, James, let's move on. We're also going to be covering 
uh, first base tiers after we get through the central. Pirates have quite a few guys to talk about. Pretty interesting, and they just added to the system. Leover uh, Piguero, Brennan Malone for Starling Marte. What do you think of that return for Marte? I liked it. I think that it, it's tough to pry uh, guys like Piguero from big league teams these days. I mean, 10 years ago, you you could get guys like this as even second pieces in a deal, but uh, teams are just so desperate for up-the-middle players who you know are going to stick there probably going to hit enough and he fits that bill i mean he's not he's a he's probably a better real life prospect than a fantasy one because a lot of his values is tied up in the glove but uh the the fact that they were able to get two guys that really don't have any flaws other than the fact that they're both probably four years away from the big leagues that's that's really nice i mean usually you're talking about you know, kind of a, a reclamation project. If, if you get a guy close to the big leagues, I like that they went low in the system. That's what I would do. I would always be trying to get guys low in another team system that can turn into special players rather than a guy that the team has just kind of grown tired of. Uh, so I like that, that, that they went low uh, on the approach for that return for Marte. Yeah. I hadn't really heard of those names, but um, probably not like the hottest market for a guy like Marte. Like he's pretty good fantasy guy, but and I think one aspect of this that you know I would be factoring in if I were a big league team is he's he's one more positive PED test from from missing a full year. Right? That's right. So yeah. it, there's just that added uh, element of risk there with him, where it's not just injuries that could keep him off the field. That's really good to point out. Uh, top 100 guys in the system: Cabrian Hayes, Mitch Keller's getting some. 2020 love O'Neill Cruz Jared Oliva uh Cabrian Hayes I feel like I know the numbers don't like pop off the screen or anything but I feel like he's going to supplant Colin Moran this summer win is the question but I, I feel like that's inevitable this year yeah I think so too I I know that it's frustrating like the fact that people keep pumping up Cabrian Hayes and then you look and it's like well when's this guy gonna hit for power I'm hoping that the new regime uh, helps him out there. I mean, obviously the the past regime was not great at at developing guys on the offensive side or the or the pitching side. Um, but I I just people are in love with uh, Christian Pache in the the Brave system, and you know I get it for especially for real life purposes. But I just don't I don't understand why Pache is so much more appealing for fantasy than Cabrian Hayes. They're both elite defenders who are going to play every day for a long time they both have sort of areas where you wish they were better for fantasy but at the end of the day they're still gonna chip in a little bit of everything and yeah they're gonna be in the lineup every day uh Hayes actually might steal more bases than Pache in the big leagues so uh I I think he's he's a nice sort of undervalued guy he's got proximity on his side I, I like the hit tool I like the approach uh there's there's power in there. Like he, he, I, you know, in the futures game a couple of years ago, he showed there's, there's power in there. He's got the size to hit for power. He's a really good base stealer. Um, you know, not the guy with the highest ceiling, but I, I still like the floor. And Mitch Keller, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel, no, I feel like you've always kind of been a little bit lower on him. Um, people look at the underlying numbers and see something to like. Are you going to be in on Mitch Keller for 2020? This is probably the highest I've ever been on him. I mean, there were it was like a year or two ago where he was like a top twenty prospect. I think by by some places I never really understood that uh, the fastball 
it's got velocity, but it's pretty straight. Um, slider's really good. I think pitchability needs some work. Command needs some work. I doubt I'm going to end up with him anywhere just because he's such a trendy name. I mean, there's guys going after him that I would take over him. So it's just not, not someone I'm going to end up with. I, I think he could definitely uh, be a pretty useful guy, though, for, for 2020. And O'Neill Cruz, man, I didn't realize he was 6'7". It's a big boy. Uh, they list, listed still as a third base slash shortstop, but I wouldn't imagine shortstop would be in his future for long at that size. No, I think, you know, right field, just I, I keep thinking right field makes the most sense for him long term, just given the size, you know, think about guys like uh, Corey Hart, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, guys that are you know, Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a short list of guys six six or taller who have had a, a long run in the big leagues. And so he would definitely be an outlier if he makes it. He's just a, he's another tough guy to really value because I, the the exit velocities are absolutely elite. They're um, some of the best in in all pro baseball. It's just when you're six seven, there's obviously a lot of ways that pitchers can attack you. It's a big zone. Yeah, um, I was gonna say because for a guy with those levers, like he doesn't hit, he hasn't at, to this point hit for a lot of power uh, in the minor leagues. But those exit velocity numbers, you say, really pop. Yeah, there's. From a raw power standpoint, we're, we're talking at least 70. Very interesting. And Jared Oliva, we said on XM last week, well, if Marte's traded, there's maybe a path for this year. Uh, and the speed is really the strong selling point. How high does he check in on your top 400? Uh, I moved him up to right around 75, I think. Uh, I think he was in the 80s part of that trade. Yeah, I think this. he was always going to get a, sh- a chance in 2020. This just kind of... Uh, maybe expedites easier. the process. There's one less guy that he has to kind of jump over. Uh, so, yeah, it, the the stolen bases is, is where it's at. He's just a just a 60 runner, but one of the better guys in terms of reading pitchers, getting good jumps. Uh, that's something that he he takes a lot of pride in. So, you know, and, and especially now that they're in a rebuild, I mean, he's just going to have a, a permanent green light pretty much. So, as soon as he's up, I think he's mixedly real. Mixed league relevant in all roto leagues because he could be a, you know, say he's up in at, on June first, he could still steal like eighteen, twenty bases. Yeah, that's super valuable, especially if you get all those in a limited window. You know, um, that's that'd be pretty nice. Certainly, a guy I'll have on watch lists in most of my mixed league mixed leagues. Now, Alexander Mahika has some helium. What are people seeing with Mahika that has them excited? Uh, well, he was probably the best pure hitter in the Dominican Summer League last year. Uh, has a chance for a really good hit tool, plus power. It's just a matter of where does he end up defensively. He's already kind of borderline if he's going to stick at third base, might end up at first base. Uh, just really probably never going to add value with the glove, so he has to kind of hit uh close to his his ceiling to to really become a everyday player but the back could be special enough for for that to happen and lolo sanchez his stock has fallen but you're still in you're still optimistic that lolo sanchez carve out a decent big league career yeah i mean i i think in in leagues where you know 200 prospects are rostered maybe you don't have to hold on to him uh but in in those deeper leagues he's someone i might be trying to buy low on because the speed's absolutely there. Even when he struggled 
last year after the promotion of high A. He was in a pitcher-friendly environment, and it wasn't like he was striking out a ton. You know, there was some bad luck there. There was some issues with, you know, Florida State League, all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I think he can be one of those everyday center fielders who maybe hits maybe hits further down your lineup. But I, I think the speed is going to be there uh, into his mid to late 20s, kind of a poor man's Leody Tavares, or maybe even just a, a regular <laughs> version of Leody Tavares. Uh, sleepers in this organization, you tab Josiah Dixon, Uri Espinal. What about Will Craig? Is he still like a prospect? No. I, okay. Uh, well, sure. He's I, I sure he's a prospect. Um, okay. I you know I I saw on Twitter today uh, someone I follow saying you know like they need to free Will Craig. Uh, you know I saw earlier this month um, like Derek was saying the Reds need to free Josh Van Meter. Like these aren't guys that need to be free. Uh, <laughs> Will Craig was 24 years old, right-handed first baseman, below league average hitter at AAA with the ball last year. He does not need to be freed and put into an outfield corner. Uh, you know, you've saw plenty of Josh Van Meter. Uh, I think he he showed what he's capable of. Uh, like Nate Lowe, Austin Riley, Miles Straw, those guys need to be freed. All the Rockies young hitters need to be freed. Abraham Toro. Edwin Rios, Jake Cronenworth, like those are some guys that need to be freed. Like Will Craig is he's he's as free as he needs to be. He has not earned uh, anything more than he's been given. <laughs> yeah, and I'll do respect to DVR. I I'm just not a Van Meter fan. Brutal out in the outfield, and uh, I just don't think I don't believe in the bat. He had that great run at AAA, but we all know about the the well, ball down there. And he's behind Winker and Aquino, and and like one of those guys is gonna. You know, you could make a case for freeing one of those guys, but yeah. uh, like I'd like to see Jesse Winker in a, on an American League rebuilding team. You know, if he was on the sure. Tigers or the Royals or something, that'd be kind of interesting. Like I want to see Kyle Tucker free. That's the kind of guy with the kind of talent that I feel like should be freed. But I think my meter is pretty fringe. My two favorite guys to be freed uh, would be Nate Lowe and then Miles Straw. Like I, I think. Miles Straw could be a top 100 fantasy guy if he was playing every day. Like I, I really believe that. It's just tough. he was a guy that Colette mentioned in his yeah. scrap heap article. Yeah. I like it, that one a lot. He, he's he, and he might just be an injury away now. And they got Dusty. Hey, I just saw that that's official now. I love Dusty. Let's get Dusty running wild, throwing some throwing guys way past their uh, they should be throwing <laughs> innings wise. Um, but yeah, that's. That's a good uh, thing because, yeah, guys like Sam Hilliard, there are guys who need to be freed, but I, maybe that's thrown around a little too much. Uh, Cardinals, top 100-ish guys. Dylan Carlson, I was hoping to get him in this slow draft, but he went a little before me. Nolan Gorman, Matthew Libertor, who they just got from the Rays. Um, Carlson, 2020 impact guy, do you think? Yeah, I think he's got the potential to be. Where, where did he end up going in that draft? Uh, let's see. I'll look it up. He's so he's with Carlson. It's just tough to peg when he's going to be up. I think uh, there's going to be, you know, I think his ADP is either going to sort of stay where it is, or it could get a big bump depending on how he does in spring training. He's, you know, people talk about how he's a high floor guy, but I think he could be a two eighty hitter with like a 360 OBP, 25 plus homers, 12 plus steals, hit 
probably second uh, in his peak years, and that's that's a high ceiling guy to me as well. Like guys like that are, are tough to come by. So it's it's kind of um, an Austin Meadows type of fantasy skill set if it all comes together. Jeez, that's pretty nice. Yeah, he went in the nineteenth round, last pick of the nineteenth round. That's, I mean, you're still filling out your active roster at that point, but in a draft and hold where you can you know, have plenty of options to swap in, you're not. You know, bench spot doesn't mean anything. Um, I think that's a pretty good price for a guy like Carlson, especially when you look at that outfield in St. Louis. I mean, all these guys are – I mean, all these guys could bust. O'Neal, Bader, Fowler already has gone bust. Maybe Tommy Edmond plays some out there, but there's clearly a, a path. For I think Carlson. they're going to want to get Edmond as much playing time on the dirt as possible. That's where his defensive value really uh, comes into play. And so – that's what, yeah. I think I think Carlson at some point in the first half he'll be playing every day out there. This is off topic, but I was thinking about Libertor, and you mentioned a guy like Nate Lowe, and you're not like an international scout or anything. But are you in on Yoshi Sutsugo this year? Because I just took him in the same draft. I guess I just want you to tell me I did good. Did it, give me a stick. Yeah. <laughs> um, well. S- the, I have a couple questions about him. I I don't doubt the the power at all. I am interested to see if he, if they let him play against lefties. I'm interested to see where they play him in the field because everyone's sort of assuming he's going to be this like DH first base uh, type of guy. Uh, they met. I think when when he signed, like they mentioned third base as a possibility. Uh, so I just I wouldn't dismiss that completely. I'd like to see in spring training if he's getting any looks at third base. Might get some looks in the outfield. Uh, you know, depending on just how versatile he is defensively, that might help him get more uh, more than just a, a straight, strict, uh, strong side platoon type of role. Even in that type of role, maybe maybe he could perform as kind of like uh, the underwhelming version of Kyle Schwarber back when Kyle Schwarber was kind of only hitting righties and hitting, you know, like 245 with uh, 30 homers. I'd be like, fine with that. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's totally in play. And I actually kind of hope to get Jose Martinez too because in the NFBC half weeks, right. you kind of platoon those two, and, just like I expect them to in real life. And I, I expect them to uh, have Martinez on the short side of a platoon to start the year, but you know, he's such a talented, pure hitter. He is. That I love it, that guy's bad. It wouldn't be that surprising if he just hit so much that they had to start playing him against righties yeah. and lefties. And like G-Man Choi, he had a pretty good September, but I do feel like there's that risk of him losing some at-bats against righties. Um, and we already know he'll be platoon, so a lot up in the air with that race system. I just had to depart and ask you about Sutsugo because uh, really hard, hard guy to peg. Uh, back to the Cardinals, Nolan Gorman, Libertor, who we mentioned. Um, Gorman, is is it ceiling over floor, or is it the other way around? I'm, I'm not as familiar with Gorman. Uh, it's yeah, probably ceiling over floor, although I think his ceiling gets a little oversold. I mean, the, the power is obviously the calling card. Uh, I you know The fact that he's not a, gig, a gigantic walk rate guy is a little concerning, um, when it's just a ton of swing and miss, a ton of power, you like to see that that walk right up in that sort of Joey Gallo zone so that you can be uh, on base enough to be a legitimate middle-of-the-order guy. And I think he'll, he'll get there maybe, but uh, I'm, I'm worried about the swing and miss. You know, it's, it's a below-average hit tool. 
Uh, defense at third base isn't amazing either, so he's definitely going to have to hit. But the power keeps him in the top 100. Um, we talked about Libertor a little bit last week, but, yeah, I mean, I think solid mid-rotation starter type of guy. Cardinals are great at developing starting pitchers. And you say here a guy to file away for 2020. I don't know if he made your rookie tiers, but – and by the way, we'll talk, be talking about your magazine rookie tiers article soon. Uh, but Justin Williams – potential to uh to break in this year yeah i think he's sort of a quiet beneficiary of all those cardinals moves where they kind of cleared out some of that outfield depth uh not a lock to take advantage of an opportunity if he's given one but he's a left-handed power bat where you know he's coming off a, a big year at triple a obviously there's a lot of noise in those numbers but um, someone who's you know kind of been on the top 400 or just outside the top 400 for going on like five years now. So he's definitely been around. This is his third organization. Uh, I think this is last year with an option. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think there's a chance we hear from him. And don't don't be surprised if he does some damage, at least in the the home run department, if he gets a look. Nice. Well, we'll move on to first base. Uh, interesting because. A couple of years ago, this position was just st- stacked and probably the deepest position in fantasy. Uh, not so much anymore. And in fact, it gets a little hairy outside the top like 12 or so options. And there's not much coming in terms of first base prospects in the immediate future. Yeah, it's just uh, part, you know, I I was thinking about like, why, why is that? You know, why is first base such a shallow position in the minor leagues? And I think it's really that, you know, once you kind of figure out that a guy is destined to be a first baseman, we all know the bar that you have to clear offensively to, to be an everyday guy at first base. It's it's a lot higher than it is at, you know, even like second base and third base. So we kind of know by the, by the time a guy's at like high A, if it's realistic to expect him to hit enough to play there. So it kind of weeds guys out pretty early on in the process. Yeah, and you're – your tier one at that position in the minors has two names, Andrew Vaughn, Alex Kirloff. Vaughn is interesting because actually just today, somebody here, I'm not going to say who it was, just, you know, I don't know if they'd be embarrassed or anything. They just uh, just want to leave the name out. But they asked me, like, what's, what's the deal with the hype on Andrew Vaughn? Looking at the numbers, just kind of maybe seem like they are out of, out of sync with the hype. But... It's not all about minor league production. The, the tools are there for him to be a, a mixed league star. Yeah, I, I think with him, it's as much about the floor as it is the ceiling. Uh, he's, you know, we're talking about a guy that had a really long season in college, climbed three levels of the minors, finished here at high A, and had complete control of the strike zone at every stop. He didn't uh, hit for the type of power I think he's going to hit for this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of April, Andrew Vaughn's the talk of the minor leagues. Like he's, he's that talented where is he starting at triple a, I think they'll send him to double a. Okay. And then I think he'll be kind of like half, half the year, double a half the year, triple a get to the big leagues early next season. They, the moves they made this off season kind of sort of block him a little bit. You know, I thought there was a chance he could be up in June or July, uh, but when they brought E5 in, I think that kind of um, signals that they're they're thinking 2021 with him, unless he just really forces the issue or they deal with some injuries. Uh, but, I mean, this is a guy who is going to hit for 
at least, you know, like a 270 type of average. I, I really can't see it being lower than that, the way he controls the zone, how hard he hits the ball. And then, you know, at least plus power, maybe 70-grade power, and a really high OBP. And guys like that are top 10 first baseman in fantasy. Yeah, I guess it is kind of what you alluded to with, like, the power numbers just not really being there. Um, not what you'd expect when you see like a 65-70 next to the raw power, but you don't have much doubt about that showing up in games in the near future. No, I mean, I think he. you always got to remember, with, especially with the college guys, like and Alec Baum's a, a great example of this. We're going to talk about him in a second. You know, sometimes they just don't have it, don't have the uh, the juice uh, in pro ball. They're they're tired. This is you know the longest they've played. Uh, the fact that he did what he did. I, I thought it was an encouraging debut. You know, I, I think the fact that he forced uh, the move up to high A and, and was better than 20% there as well, I think that it's all encouraging. And the fact he almost walked as much, many times as he struck out at high A. Now, Alex Kirilov with the Twins, they just brought in uh, the bringer of Sleet, as he'll be known from this point forward, Josh Donaldson. But with that, Miguel Sano moves over to first. Is there any other path for Kirloff, or is he one B only? Pretty, pretty steady there. It's it's going to either be the outfielder, first base, or him. I mean, he, he was drafted as an outfielder, and he uh, sort of moved to first base uh, with sort of them looking at their organizational depth chart and, and figuring that that's that's where he fits best. I think Miguel knows the replacement at DH for Nelson Cruz, and then Kirloff slots in as as the first baseman uh, if. They have a need in the outfield. He's going to be ready for that assignment as well. But, you know, first base is tough when I'm trying to decide who to include in the first base tiers, who to include in, like, third base outfield. Uh, So I I tried to put these guys where I think they're going to get the bulk of their playing time in their big league career, and I think he gets the bulk of his time at at first base, but that doesn't mean he can't break in in the outfield. So, again, tier one at first base, Andrew Vaughn, Alex Kirloff, then tier two, Evan White and the aforementioned Alec Bohm. A White looking like he's going to break camp. I, I saw um, them saying, basically, DePoto saying he'd have to really implode. Things would have to go exceedingly poorly for Evan White not to break camp at first base. Yeah, there's just no – the way that that contract is structured, there's no benefit to the Mariners to send him to AAA unless they just think it would be bad for his development. So – I I take uh, Jerry at his word there. Um, I got asked on Twitter before the podcast if I would take Evan White or Nate Lowe in a dynasty, and I think that one's that one's a really tough call. You know, I mean, we don't know when the Rays are even going to give Lowe uh, a strong side of a platoon, let alone a, a full time gig. Whereas we know Evan White's going to get that uh, here starting on opening day so it's it's tough um white is a really good defensive first baseman he's also faster than your typical first baseman he hasn't really looked to run in the minors but uh if he were to kind of reach his offensive ceiling i think he'd be on base enough to to chip in 10 steals at least and the the power he really started kind of coming to his own in in that regard too especially in the second half uh, he's played in a lot of pitcher-friendly environments, uh, but still just had had monster numbers. I think after you know June first or July first, if you if you look at 
uh, his season splits. So I think he's got a chance to be a mixed league guy this year. He's, he's getting drafted as kind of either a reserve or a very low end corner infield option. I think that that's pretty fair. Yeah, I was just looking up where he went in this first pitch speakers draft. Final pick of the 20th round. It's pretty good. Him versus Votto. What do you think? Because he went two rounds, at full two rounds after Votto. I think, I think I'd probably take Votto for twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, you think about a twentieth rounder for a guy who may play every day. That's pretty appealing, but I just have trouble seeing the upside. Yeah, you. I mean, it shouldn't surprise anyone. Nobody should be surprised, and nobody should panic if Evan White has a pretty rough April and May. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's skipping AAA completely in theory. So yeah, I think Votto. Yeah, you're you're not going to get a ton of upside there but at least you know he's going to play at least you know he's going to hit in a pretty advantageous spot in the lineup well i'm hoping he's going to play uh knock knock on wood james yeah i don't want you to curse why would he not play no i'm just kidding (laughs) Um, you never know when injuries can add up at his age uh but yeah uh alec bohm though mostly at third right but first base is kind of penciled i guess put in with ink essentially because that's that's where he's going to end up yeah i mean he he was playing first base in the afl he's just too big for third base and uh there's there's kind of uh been a few reports this offseason about when the dh is going to come to the nl that's interesting that's something i've been really kind of trying to focus on in these divisional articles and and this article specifically because it affects so many of these guys uh, I think long term, we're talking about Alec Baum at first base, Reese Hoskins as the DH. I think that's a really nice setup that they'll have. And you know, whether you want to buy into a Jim Bowden report or not, maybe it comes as early as uh, as early as twenty twenty one. Jason Stark earlier was was saying it might be twenty twenty two, but uh, hopefully sooner than later we have uh, Universal DH. Yeah, as soon as twenty twenty one, kind of I was taken aback because. That'd be that'd change a lot for fantasy. A lot of guys more it, relevant and a lot more jobs. It's one of those things where uh, I think everyone in baseball is in favor of it. There's just, you know, there might be some old people that are worried about upsetting old fan base. Uh, but, you know, it makes sense from players' perspective. You get 15 more jobs. It makes sense from uh team's perspective they don't want their pitchers getting hurt so i wouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed through there might be some old people that's always the caveat with everything Uh, (laughs) tier three a man on his own tristan cassis what can you tell me about his skill set yeah he's getting a lot of uh a lot of hype this offseason i mean he had a really nice uh, first full season at low a i mean the the concern with him is i worry that he might be a uh, strict platoon guy uh, didn't do so well against lefties. Now we've got Heim Bloom as as the GM. Uh, I think that they're going to be more platoon happy going forward, and he's going to need to show that he can hold his own against lefties to avoid that. That's really the only concern, though. I think he's going to do plenty fine against uh, right-handed pitching to be a thirty homer guy, um, good OBP guy, even if he's on a platoon. Very nice. And he's, great he's a couple stuff. years away. That's that's why he's he would be up in tier two just from a pure talent standpoint. But he's he's a couple years behind those guys. Really appreciate everything. What's coming up uh, next week? Uh, working on finishing the NL West uh, article that that should be up 
sometime tomorrow. We we've done the NL East, we've done the NL Central. Uh, those were a breeze to put together compared to the NL West. I mean, we're we're talking about five just loaded orgs in terms of uh, talent on the farm. So that that one's going to be a marathon article, and then uh, like two hundred and forty nine prospects. You yeah, I mean, it it might it honestly might get up to like one fifty, uh, and then uh, early next week we'll have the second base tiers. Nice, and since we have the magazines back, we can do your rookie tiers at some point soon. I know that's a favorite for everybody every year, and really good stuff, especially just to have throughout the season, you know, uh, as you're considering call-ups and speculating on guys who could get called up, stash in season. Uh, always fun. James, we still don't have a hip-hop topic to talk about, but I'm just going to throw out a recommendation uh, for all <laughs> listeners. I've been talking about the Nas Lost Tapes 2 and just pick one song off there. Uh, Who Are You? Off Nas's Lost Tapes 2. I really like that song. Um, yeah, I've just been bumping that. I, I picked up another Lost Tapes, actually. It's Ghostface Kill the Lost Tapes. I haven't really been bumping it, but um, I'm still stuck with the uh, the old school guys. I know you kind of prefer to move on to the new school guys. Uh, anybody that you've been listening to that's caught your attention really the only uh the only hip-hop record i've been banging pretty steadily uh that came out in 2019 was uh young thugs so much fun uh okay. Not he, heard that. he's uh one of my favorite of the the sort of new school rappers um that's got some some really good beats some some funny lyrics so right up my alley Nice. I know people more so prefer when we, you know, talk smack about certain tracks, and maybe we'll just continue on with the uh, worst commercial jams. But if you have any recommendations for our topic, please hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Clay W. Link. James is at Real J.R. Anderson. We appreciate you all listening, and James, we appreciate the insight. We'll be back next week on the Roadwire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fan Tracks.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.